You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Go ahead and take your Bible if you would. We're going to go back to the Gospel of John. So we we did a little break through the Christmas uh, holiday season, and we've talked a lot about deacons, and we've spent almost two months away, and even uh, our our previous pastor who started the church, uh, Anthony, came and shared one week. And so uh, we're about a quarter of the way through John, and uh, we're going to just keep marching through it. But we're looking at John chapter 5 this morning, and I want to talk to you about uh, overcoming obstacles of faith. What it, op, overcoming those kinds of, of obstacles. Have you ever watched the hurdlers when they're running, you know, they're sprinting down the track and they intentionally have obstacles that they've got to overcome and jump those and timing and all the athleticism to get over it. And if they don't time it right, they fall, they don't win the race and all of it. Our, we, have, we know what obstacles in life are all about, right? Uh, just There's nothing that we do that doesn't have it. To be honest with you, it comes out of Genesis because of sin. The Bible says that, you know, God told Adam and said, yeah, Adam, I'm sorry. The rest of your life is going to be nothing but hard work. And there's going to be weeds and headaches and thorns and problems. And for all of our life, we have to battle those things. But we also have obstacles to our faith, obstacles that we run into, things that are in, in our life and things that are a challenge that we really need to work through. We're in the, in the stage, I really wanted to get to this last part of chapter 5 before the holidays. It just didn't work out because I feel like we're kind of hitting the middle of a story, you know, kind of like hit the pause button. You may be one of those people that read three books at one time. I never understood you people. Like, I don't, like, just, I'm a serious, you know, I read beginning to end, I'm done. I don't pick up the next one until... Truth be told, much longer down the road. Like I'm a I'm a I'm a bulimic reader. I kind of binge and curb. I read a lot and I don't read anything at all. You know, just kind of roll that way. But um, but so we kind of hit the pause button in the middle. So just to kind of catch you up to the story, Jesus has been has been doing all kinds of miracles. Been teaching. He met with Nicodemus. He had that incredible encounter with the woman in Samaria, and the whole town. Just so many people began following him, and he began getting so much attention that now the powers that be, kind of the authority figures, start coming around, and they didn't like Jesus. Like, who are you? You know, why is everybody following you? Who, who, who gives you the right to be doing these kinds of things? And they're giving them a hard time. In fact, we saw earlier in chapter 5 where from that point forward, they're trying to kill him. I mean, just immediately, they're trying to get rid of him. And now we're in the point with chapter 5 where Jesus begins to explain to them why they're having such a difficult time just simply trusting him and following him. You know, I don't know if you've ever, if you look back to when you first began following Jesus, for some people that's an easy process. They get introduced to the gospel, they see it, it makes sense, I want that, and they go on. Other people, it's almost like, you know, it's like passing a kidney stone or something. It's just pain and travail and agony, and it just, they're battling themselves and internal and trying to understand stuff. Do I really want to do it? Don't want to do it? It's almost like making a New Year's resolution that you just now got to live with, and it's just, it's, it's harder along the way. And Jesus is explaining to those individuals that are really choking, they're not wanting to, 
They're not wanting to surrender and submit to Jesus. And he explains to them deeply what the problem is. It's kind of a deep dive. And I don't know if you look back, which of those you were. Some of you may look back like, yeah, I was that person. I kind of kicked against it and kind of resisted and just didn't want to deal with it, didn't want to submit and surrender. And what Jesus is unpacking for us is why that was so hard for you. For some of you, you may be, have a loved one. You may have a, 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 somebody in your family, maybe a neighbor, a coworker, somebody that you've shared with or somebody that you've talked to, and they're just they're resisting. Or maybe they're throwing up arguments and all kinds of things to why they don't want to believe, almost kind of like putting God on trial. Like, well, how can I believe that? How can I believe this and that? Well, Jesus kind of cuts through the fog this morning. He cuts through the fog for us in our own faith, he cuts through the fog for those that we're trying to reach out to, and the implications are pretty profound for our life. So read with me, if you will, and uh, in John chapter 5, let me get there myself. I told you to turn and forgot to do it myself. Here we go. Let's read, let's read in verse 30, and we'll, we'll stop halfway through the passage, um, but let's kind of get started. So the Bible says this. Jesus talk, is talking. He says, I can do nothing on my own. Remember, he has a He's one with the Father. He's not an independent contractor. He's only doing what the Father tells him to do. He says in verse 30, he goes on and he says this. He says, as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You see, the people who were giving Jesus a hard time were claiming to be followers of God. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not doing my own thing. I'm not this renegade, rebellious, nonconformist. I'm just doing what God told me to do. I'm, you should listen to me because I'm from Him. Jesus, in these first few verses, I'm not going to camp out on these so much. I'm going to camp out in the second half. He's telling us why we should believe and follow Him. One of the reasons is, is because He didn't come to do His own thing. He didn't come to make Himself famous. He didn't come to accomplish His will. He came to accomplish the will of the Father. And then he goes on. He gives us another reason we should believe him. He says, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. In the Jewish law, in the Jewish world, any statement that was made had to be backed up with two or three witnesses or it was not accepted. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I know. If I just say something, my witness is not true. But he says in verse 32, there's another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me it's true. He's talking about John, the baptizer. In verse 33, he says, You sent to John, and he's borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. Jesus says, Guys, you should listen to me. I don't come to do my own will. Look, there's another one who's testifying, telling you of what I've said. There's another one who's bearing witness to me. You should listen to me because what I'm trying to do is save you. You see, those who were giving him a hard time were saying, we don't need to be saved. We're already there. And Jesus says, look, guys, you are lost. You are in danger. You are dead in your sins. You are separated from God. And I'm trying to work through into your world and to help you to understand because I'm trying to save you. And he goes on. He says in verse 35, He was a burning and shining lamp, talking about John. Bright fireworks, we might say. He was, he was bright and shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. 
Jesus says, I got another testimony. I came to do my Father's will. John tells him about me, but I got something even bigger than what John is. He says this, he says, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And verse 37, and the Father who sent me has Himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard, His form you've never seen. I'm going to hit the pause button there. Jesus says, guys, it is reasonable for you to believe in me. I'm not doing my own thing. I'm just doing what the Father told me to do. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting anything out of this. You know, when you go to buy a car, you know the salesman is going to get something out of it, right? Jesus is like, I'm not a salesman. I'm not getting anything out of this deal. I'm just coming to surrender to the will of God. Why would I mislead you? Why should you not trust me? Secondly, there's somebody else who's experienced me. There's somebody else who's seen and understands and, and gets it completely. The best advertisement has always been word of mouth. In a day where marketing and everything is so popular, a satisfied customer is the one we trust, right? Somebody who's a friend of yours that says, oh yeah, I tried that, it was great. Because they don't get anything you know, out, anything out of it. You know, if you go out and buy something like that or take care of that services, I guess most often, some of those deals are like, hey, sign up three of your friends and I'll give you a monthly discount, you know. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm just, the word of mouth. And Jesus is like, listen to John. He's not getting anything out of it and he's telling about me. And then Jesus says, and there's something bigger than that. Look at all the works that I'm doing. Look at all the miracles. Look at, look at what I've been doing. Nobody can do those works unless they're from God the Father. See, the miracles of Jesus are evidence and testimony that Jesus is from God Himself. Nicodemus had it right when he went to Jesus when we saw in John chapter 3. He went to Nicodemus and said, I know you're from God. Nobody can do these things unless they're from God. And then Jesus says, there's a fourth one who even testifies about me, and that's my Father. You've never seen Him, you've never heard His voice, but He speaks to me. And He goes on, I didn't read it, but in this passage, and especially at the very end of chapter 5, it says, Moses wrote all about me in the Bible. You see, God testifies to you and to me exactly who Jesus is. So the point is this, God has moved heaven and earth for you and me to be saved. He's moved heaven and earth to set up a situation where we should clearly understand who Jesus is and what He did on the cross. God has moved heaven and earth for your co-workers and your family and your neighbors and everyone around us to be saved. So when we are struggling ourselves or when we have others that we're praying for and talking to them, the problem is not on God's side. The problem is not that it's unreasonable. The problem is not that people around us are so much smarter than God. Like, why didn't God do this and this and this? If God came down and did X, Y, and Z, I would absolutely believe. And God's sitting there saying, I've given you all the evidence in the world. It's reasonable. You should believe it. Jesus then, and this is where I want to unpack, shares with us four obstacles, really the reasons why people don't trust Christ, really the reasons why some of us struggle to trust Christ, and then those same reasons, as we'll see, are things that we even struggle later on, after we're saved, that we still struggle at times to 
follow and obey Him in every area of our life. So these are the four obstacles that, that I want us to point out, or I want to point out to and want us to talk about this morning. Jesus goes on and He impacts this. He says in verse 37, I'm pick up there, where now we're going to kind of go verse by verse. Um, in verse 37 He says, And the Father who has sent me has Himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard, His form you've never seen. Verse 38, And you do not have His word, abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. First obstacle that people must overcome. The obstacle to our faith are issues of our mind. Jesus said, look, you, you have the Bible, and you read and search the scriptures, and you're looking for eternal life. See, the problem wasn't that they weren't religious enough. That wasn't an issue. The problem wasn't that they didn't have access to the Bible. They did. The problem wasn't that they were searching for the wrong things. They were searching for the right thing, eternal life, which is the same as salvation as we know. We're born in this world spiritually dead. God wants to give us eternal life, wants to save us from sin and death and our own selves and our devices and, and give us salvation and eternal life in heaven ultimately with Him. And Jesus said, those aren't the issues. The problem is, is you really have a, a, an issue in your, your mind and really even ultimately in your heart is that you don't believe what God really has said. You don't believe in the one whom has sent me. You see, they had the Bible and they read it, but that word of God was not abiding in them. was bouncing off them. They didn't know the God of the Bible. When they read the Bible, they were reading it for themselves and really were not reading it in such a way that God was speaking to them and it began to stick. Have you ever read an assignment you know, for a class or something? Uh, maybe you maybe you've taken the any of you taken like the little uh, course you can do online to like reduce your insurance, you know, the price of insurance. And let's be honest, you're just click, 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 mind numb, right? You're not sitting there like, okay, i got to really get this down. Let me take notes and really soak this in, you know? You're doing it to do it. I guarantee you when you went back, if you went, could, could go back and remember when you were sitting in the classroom for some of you, and some of you are in classes now, you're not always paying attention. You're not soaking this in. You're Half the time, you're just paying attention so you can get a decent grade, you know? Half the classes you take are just because... The school thinks it makes you a good, well-rounded individual, even though it has no real use for you know, the rest of your life. And what Jesus is saying is that is a problem in your mind and really ultimately in your heart. You've got issues. So the, the first obstacle when you're, uh, when you're struggling to come to faith in Christ is, is, is you read the Bible, are you really tuning your mind and heart? Are you going to God and saying, God, I really want to know you? Or are you kind of putting... God, you know, on notice. Well, God, I'm just kind of checking the box. I'm just, you know, I'm just doing this because I'm supposed to do it. Are you reading it, you know, for yourself? Their obstacle was an obstacle of, of their, their mind. It was, they were not willing in their heart for those things to stick and sink in. So for you and for me, after we have trusted Christ in our life, that's something that we still struggle with. How many of you have ever, I'm going to raise my hand too, let's be, let's be truthful, all right? We'll be transparent 
during some, some things we can be transparent about on Sunday mornings. But how many of you have ever read the Bible and you got done and you're like, I have no clue what I just read. And it wasn't because it was complicated. It's just you were not paying attention. Right? I battle that a lot. I'm probably not the only one. What Jesus is telling us is that very thing. is like, yeah, you search the Scriptures. You're kind of reading it for your own self, your own devices. And you're really not just, you're not looking at it to really say, God, I, I need this in my soul. And we're going through the motions. You see, as sinful people who are born into this world separated from God, our life is just, it's, it's the, the, the core of sin is just to live your life independently of God in heaven. Isn't that what most kids want today? They want independence from mom and dad. And then when they become young adults, they're like, oh my goodness, it's expensive to live on your own. Wow, you know, this is hard. Then they kind of like begin realizing, ooh, I want some of that benefit, you know. We've done all done that with God. And so the first obstacle to overcome is, is wrestling with your own soul. God, I want to understand this. I want to know you, the God of the Bible. I don't want to just read this and have it bounce off me like some class that doesn't matter. God, I, I want to read this and I want it to sink in and settle into my soul, to soak into my life. And God, I want to know you. So if that is an obstacle that you're struggling with, be honest. And if you, when you struggle with it, stop and say, God, I know that I'm not reading this and getting anywhere. God, would you help me? God, I want to pump the brakes and slow life down. In this moment, I want to listen to you. Those of you that are married, or even if you're in a relationship and not married, nobody likes to talk to somebody they care about in a relationship and then realize five minutes later the other person was ignoring them or watching the game, or thinking about something else. We don't, want, we don't want to be treated that way. And so when we kind of wake up and realize we've been doing that with God and His Word, then just like with other people, stop and say, God, forgive me. I've not been paying attention to what you've been telling me. And I want to stop right now and listen. Would you speak and let that Word sink into my soul? Second obstacle. It's not just an obstacle of the mind. It's an obstacle of the will. In verse 40, so they're studying and reading the Bible, and it speaks about Jesus. And Jesus says this in verse 40, Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Notice Jesus doesn't say, you know, you read the Bible, but you don't understand it. This is calculus. This is high-end you know, math. This is subject matter is way beyond you. That's not the issue. Jesus said, yeah, too bad your IQ is not great enough that you can't get this. That's not the issue. The issue is an issue of their will. He says, you read the Bible, and you're looking for the right stuff. And you're religious, and you're spiritual, and all of that. But the real issue is an issue of your own will. You just simply refuse to come to me. It's a refusal. I took my dog to the that a couple of weeks ago, and because of COVID and all of that, uh, I don't know what your vet's doing or other things. It's so weird how we juggle and do life differently now, isn't it? So many things that just 
we would have never known we'd have been doing. But when you pull up, you call the vet on the phone, and they come out and they put their lead on the dog, they take the dog from the car into the vet, and then you sit there, and then they call you up. So you have a credit card, you're going to pay by, you know, check or whatever, and it, they call you up, and then they finally bring the dog back out. And so they, they took our dog and, and they did their thing. And they come back out, and our dog has a really good nose, and he likes going to that because he gets to smell every other dog and cat and gerbil and chipmunk and whatever in God's creation has been in there. And I'm the kind of owner, you know, I, I mean, we take care of our animals, but I want them to do what I want them to do. I don't want to do what they want to do all the time. You know what I mean? So the dog comes out, and the, the, the vet tech or whoever's got him on the lead and he just stops right on the outside of the door and sniffs and I'm like I'm not putting up with this I've sat in the cold long enough I want to go home you know I don't care what the dog wants to do like get in the car and let's go home and so I called to him I said Tavi come and he just ignored like he didn't even look at me he didn't anything and then like my cred was on the line because now the vets look at me like yeah you're a sorry owner your own dog doesn't even look at you and you know, truth be known, it's my fault early on. I spent a lot of time training him, all of that, and I've gotten lazy. And like every animal, if you just kind of begin to ignore them and let it get away with stuff, they learn it. You know, they're smart. And so he's like, yeah, I, I know how to ignore him. And I'm just like, Tavi, come. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Get over here. That's what this is. Jesus says the problem isn't there's not enough evidence. The problem isn't that the Bible's hard to believe. The problem isn't that it's unreasonable to believe in God. Jesus says the real problem with people is they just refuse. They're refusing to come to me. So often, I don't know if you've been in this case, but we care about people that we love and we're like, oh, if I can only help them to understand. And we think that the problem is, is it's complicated and we need to explain it more to help them to understand it. And we do need to explain some things. But at the end of the day, when you've shared that and explained it to people, the real hurdle that people have to get under, get over or beyond is not a, an issue of knowledge. It's the issue of the will. My dog just said, forget you. I want to do my own thing, and I want to come when I'm good and well ready. Well, I finally got his attention. I started going over. I'm like, dude, you're coming. Like, There's no two ways around this. It's an issue of our will. For those of you who have friends and family that you're praying about, pray specifically, God, would you work in such a way that they can't refuse your will? God, would you work in their life? And that also means for those of you that have people that are resistant and just refuse it, you might need to up the ante a little bit with them. Don't argue. Jesus, we don't ever see Jesus arguing with people so much. I mean, he threw out, you know, he wasn't bashful. He threw out the folks out of the temple. But if people were hell-bent on refusing to ignore him, he's just like, so be it. But he's calling them out. He's talking to people right now that are they're looking at him like he's the problem. And he's like, no, the real problem is you're just simply refusing. So maybe you've had those conversations with your loved ones, your family, and friends, or whatever, and maybe you need to kind of call them out and say, why are you refusing to follow Jesus? You see, it's easy to hide. It's easy to put up a smoke screen, you know, to act like, well, the Bible's just confusing or this and that, and I'll get ready. And Jesus just calls them out. He's like, no, you're not coming because you don't want to. 
You'd rather do your thing, your own way, your own time. You're agnostic because you want to be. Because you just don't want to come and surrender your life to Jesus. And you'd rather just stay comfortable and resistant. Just like my dog wanted to do his own thing, you want to do that as well. So maybe you have those conversations, not arguing, but maybe you get to that point at some point along the way of saying, you know what? I think I need to call that out. You're just simply refusing. It's not an issue of evidence. It's not an issue of any other apologetic. It's an issue of the will. Now apply that to those of you who do know Jesus. Don't you and I often wrestle with submitting our will to God on a daily basis? Do we not? I paid for my dog. He was our dog. I have loved and taken care of that dog for 10 years, you know. Fed him. He's never missed a meal that he's ever wanted in his life. And like, you're going to treat me like that? Seriously? And how often do you and I resist the will of God in our life? Because we just don't want to be bothered. We'd rather smell the smelly smells in <laughs> the world around us and not follow that. You see, these are issues of the sinful heart. And when God saved, for us to trust Jesus and be saved and forgiven, all of those obstacles must be overcome and we must simply surrender our will to Him. But after we surrender our will and we trust Jesus as Lord of our life, we're not just miraculously perfect. We still struggle in those same ways. And it's an issue of us surrendering. So I wonder in your life today, what has God been trying to lean into you about and speaking into you? God doesn't usually use a sledgehammer. To be honest with you, He loves you too much. He really yells loud and He works hard when we're younger because we just don't pay attention. But as we get older in Christ and as we grow more and more, He doesn't want to have to jerk our chains so much. He doesn't want to be like, get over here. And the issue is, is just do we have a heart that says, I am yielded to you, whatever you want. If you sense in your life that you struggle with that, one little thing you might want to do is just begin every day saying, God, I don't know what today is going to bring, but I want my will surrendered to yours. Not my will, but your be done. God, it's your kingdom that I'm praying to come today. I'm not going out into this world and at work trying to accomplish my stuff, but God, I want my stuff to simply just be your stuff and I submit my will to yours. Start that as a habit if you see that you struggle with that and let that sink into your life. Third issue, third obstacle that has to be overcome. Jesus says this, he says in verse 41, I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Wow. Jesus says the problem is, is you don't have God's love in you. That's the problem. You don't have a love for God in your heart. And consequently, you're also missing out on the love that God has for you. The love from God. You see, he's dealing with the issue of the heart. He's talking about our mind. He's talking about our will. Now he's really getting personal. He's talking about what's on the inside of us. Jesus says the problem is you just really don't love God. That's breathtaking. As religious as these people are, and their whole world surrounded that. These are the, 
These were the, the, the green berets of spiritual faith. These were the religious teachers, the instructors. These were the leaders. And Jesus says, yeah, you got a lot of stuff on the outside, but on the inside, there is no love. There's no heartfelt seeking and commitment to God in heaven inside of you. And you're missing out completely on all the love that God has for you as well. You're completely missing it. Sometimes couples, when they get married, are in love and, and they just, you know, it's all together in that relationship. And in a relationship, every relationship, I don't care if it's a, a, a parent to child, if it's a friend, co-workers, even, you know, marriage, that kind of thing. They, relationships need tending. They need attention. They're just like a fire. I've been, my son complained. He said, Dad, we went through, we usually go a week for the wood that we put in the house. He's like, we went through it in like two days. I'm like, yeah, it's been cold. <laughs> you know, just, you always are having to feed and fuss with the fire and play with it to keep it going. Relationships are like that. And sometimes couples get married and their relationship's warm and they're committed to each other. And over time, they allow life to crowd in. And they allowed other things to become more important. And they don't tend the fires together enough. And then 20 years later, 30 years later, they wake up and realize that sometimes it's five years later, that, well, we just aren't in love anymore. You see, the issue is, is have, do we tend the fire in our soul for one another? Do we keep that love going? And Jesus is saying, guys, when you seek me, you're not, you're not seeking me. And the real problem is that you just have not in your heart developed a love for God. Your religion has been about you. You've been going through the motions for you. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, you really aren't serving and me. You're serving yourself. So sometimes people that are trying to come to Christ are thinking about things, or maybe you're trying to help them get to come to Christ, and they're really just kind of apathetic. The real issue is they just don't have the love in their heart for God. Maybe they love their religion, but they really don't love God, and there's a big difference. Maybe they are in love with their experiences and their tradition, or maybe their families, and not put those up higher. And maybe you need to help them to think through and to really begin to discern what's underneath. Is there really a love in your heart for God in heaven? Like, do you just really want to know God? Do you really want to know the truth? Are you really willing to step and move in that direction? For those of us that do know Jesus, how often do we wrestle with that one? Jesus in, in the book of Revelation, when He talked to the seven churches, the very, I think it's the first ones, one of the early ones, I think it's the first church, the church at Ephesus, he says, guys, I know what you're doing. Wow, you're amazing. You believe right. You do all this. But yeah, I got one concern. You have forgotten your first love. The church as a whole had done what I talked about. Were they followers of Jesus? Yes. Were they orthodox in a good way on the outside? Absolutely. But in the center of it, they really had set aside their love of God. Um, and the center of it 
They had let that love grow cold. And Jesus said, repent, go back and rekindle that fire. Restart that for God. If that describes you, then just like the other one, just say, God, forgive me. I've let my love grow cold. It isn't that your word isn't incredible. Sometimes we read the Bible and it's not sticking and we think it's God's fault. And God's like, yeah, no, you don't love me. That's why you're not getting anything out of this. Sometimes we think the world's pushing in on us. And reality is, is we just have let our love for God grow cold and we've put our attention into the things around us. So admit that to God if that's what you sense God's talking to you about this morning. And say, God, I want to love you. Wrestle with your own heart and your love toward one another. By the way, that works in a relationship with God, and it works that way with individuals. Because there's nobody on the planet that's going to please us at every turn, folks. Nobody. And the issue isn't where they are. The issue is where we are. And are we in our heart going to stir up, wrestle with our own soul for our love and that relationship for that other individual and our commitment? And Jesus says, double down. And return to that love force. Fourth thing, and I'm done. Not only was it issues of their will, issues of their uh, of their mind, of their will, of their heart, but issues of attitude. Look what the Bible says in verse 43. It says, I've come in my Father's name. I don't come in my own name. I come in His name. And you do not receive me. See, that's the whole point. We get salvation when we receive Jesus. It's simply us just submitting and surrendering and saying, Jesus, I need you in my life because you died and rose again. Forgive me my sins. That's what it means to receive Jesus. Receive him as Lord and in charge of your life. He says this, he says, if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. <laughs> Jesus is like, this is nonsense. Like you live your whole life. Somebody comes and all they've got is their own reputation and their own words, and you'll listen to them. But you are biased, and your attitude and your prejudice toward me is ridiculous. I come in my Father's name, somebody else's name, and you don't even give me the time of day. You see, there's an obstacle that people have to overcome, an attitude of heart. Aren't, isn't it breathtaking, the advice that people listen to? You, we all know, right? YouTube has some good advice. YouTube has some horrible advice. Some of the stupidest things in the world. Some of the life hack things are ridiculous. It just, they're so absurd. And, and Jesus is like, you'll listen to those folks. You take what they say, hook, line, and sinker, but you ignore me. You see, Jesus is the spiritual expert on the planet. He is the expert of your life. He is the expert for your soul. And if we don't set aside, if we don't realize our bias of how we will accept the, the testimony and the things that various other people tell us, but we somehow or just have a, an attitude of not trusting what He tells us, there's an inherent attitude bias in our soul. And so maybe you've been trying to understand the gospel and kind of in that process of sensing God wanting something in your life, you need to examine your attitude. Like, hey, am I willing to just willing to accept what Jesus tells me? I accept what people tell me in all these other areas. Why wouldn't I just simply accept what Jesus says? Because He wants to help me. He wants to save me. He came so that I 
could receive him. He came to die for my sins. He came and rose again. Why wouldn't I accept what he has to say? Why wouldn't I take his word over everybody else's? And then if that's something that you're wrestling with, we still struggle with that. And how many areas of our life are we predisposed to follow the experts of the world around us? Well, the Bible's really good and we follow Jesus, but you know, the Bible isn't, you can't follow it in everything. I mean, let's think about it this way. You don't go to the Bible to figure out how to fix your car, right? No. It's not, it's not a manual how to fix your car. It's a manual for life and for eternal life. But so many of the things that we wrestle with with life are actually spiritual things. And how quickly in our generation today, even as Christians, that we blow by that and go to the latest study or go to the latest crowd opinion or the source of this and miss the truths of what God says. And we have an inherent bias, just like what Jesus is calling us out on, that we accept their testimony, but yet we miss what the Bible says, the sufficiency of Scripture to address every aspect of our, of our life. Not the mechanical aspects, not the nutritional aspects, not the physical things, but all the other stuff, the attitude with that. And, and as a part of it, not only did they have an attitude of prejudice, if you will, or bias, but they had an attitude of pride. He says, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? He says, you, you've got an attitude of of self-seeking, of pride, of looking for glory from each other and not finding and discovering the glory that I have for you. Not a trick question, but if you take a glass and fill it full of water, it's full. You can't put any more in it. Now, some of you science, physics nerds out there will say, well, Sean, if you run the faucet high enough, you'll displace some of the water and blow out and put new water. I don't know. I'm not thinking that deeply, all right? Just, I'm a very shallow thinker. Once it's full, it's full. What Jesus is saying is, if you, you have filled your glass trying to be successful in life and to get somewhere in life, to get promotion, to, to make your way successful, accolades and you're, you're make, you've made your life about yourself and what you receive from others and you in turn, you, you prop other people, you give them props and really it's a backhanded way of you being in that same world and filling your glass full. And because of it, there's no room for my Father's glory in your world. See, what Jesus is telling us is we need to take that glass and pour it out Say, I don't need any props from anybody else, and I don't need to seek my pride and my glory in this world. What he's calling us to is to empty out our success and all of our self-living and self-seeking and pride and all of that in order to receive the glory, the share in the glory that God has that comes through knowing Him. This might be the deepest and biggest obstacle that most people have is that people don't go to Jesus because they don't want to. They don't go to Jesus and they don't love Him. And really, they love themselves and they're not willing to empty out their glory and receive what God has. And that really is where the rubber hits the road, we might say. 
And so if that's you, if you've struggled and you've been to church so much of your life, do know that when the Lord Jesus wants to save you, it involves you loving Him. It involves you surrendering your will, but it involves you pouring out, admitting and turning away and pouring out your own desire for success, accomplishment, glory, identity, all of that. And simply with empty hands saying, Lord Jesus, would you fill me up? I surrender my life to you. And I recognize that my sin has separated me between me and you and that Jesus died and He rose again to forgive me of all of our sin. That's the point that we must come to in our life to receive Him. And to get to that point, oftentimes what happens is God allows life to push in on us. He allows COVID to come in to make a mess. He allows cold, the winter to sink in and furnaces to go out and heat pipes to freeze. He allows sickness and He allows relationship difficulty and all these things that crowd in us, that stress us and strain us and give us anxiety and all of that. And what He's really trying to do is to say, can we all agree? Can you not agree with me? He's telling us this. Can you not agree with me that there's more to life than even having all this worked out? And He's trying to get us to the point where we surrender our life to Him and to kind of to realize like, God, I'm not sufficient to handle all of this. And to look up and ask for help and not just for help to kind of get what we want in life, but to realize that we need to pour that cup out and say, God, I just want you. I don't know about any of these other things that are going to work out or not, but I want you in my life. That's For some of you, that's what God is trying to speak into your heart, into your world. It's more than just trying to develop a relationship with God. It's you emptying out your, your success and your will and all of that, and it's simply receiving His Lordship and His salvation in your life, forgiveness of sin, and then you have that relationship. And then God begins to work in your life. Some of that stuff may not ever work out, but it won't matter as much to you because you've got God in your life. And then for the rest of us who do know Jesus, how often do we still go back to the sink to fill up our own glory, our own purpose, our own thinking about what we can accomplish in life and all of that? For those of you, the our young adults in the room, I did the same thing. I think most people do was... You know, we think, well, what can we do? What do we want to accomplish in the world? And we have passions and drives, and that is wonderful and good. But along the way, make sure that you're saying, God, I want my passion and drive to match what you want for me. See, we don't need to go off and pursue our own world independent of God. God wants us to pursue Him and to have our cup full with Him. And then now, in that vein, we go and accomplish whatever He has for us in life. And so check your cup. Are you living for God's glory or are you living for your own glory? These are the obstacles of faith that Jesus tells us. He lays it very plain and clear, guys. If there's any spiritual challenges in our life, it's not with God. People struggling to know Jesus, it's not Him. We have to look inside our heart. And Jesus calls us out and he's not afraid to call out those around us. Maybe you have some friends that you've been sharing the gospel with, and maybe you've explained it enough. The obstacle, ultimately, if you've explained it enough, 
is their own will, their own heart's love, their own, their own self. And maybe God wants you to call them out. Maybe you don't have that relationship with them, and if so, then, then don't. But I think too often we're just reticent and afraid in the world around us. You know, what would happen if we had regular conversations with people in our life about spiritual things? I don't, I don't mean that if you've got somebody at your office that that's all you talk about. <laughs> don't, there, there's a lot in life. But along the way, we ought to talk about those things. And we ought to share those things. That's, that's the truth. That's how God wants the gospel to spread in our life. It's not so much through the special event things that we might do as a church. Those are good to work with people that are already, God seems to be working and get interested and come and helps them take some next steps. But the the Green Berets behind enemy lines, if you will, the, the, the Navy SEAL special forces, which all of us are in that world, it's those conversations when we're at work and we're at the store and we're around just, just sharing and engaging in people. And when God seems to begin working in their life, those are the ones that become interested and we go further and have more conversations with. So Jesus, even though he was, people were struggling, he didn't give up on them. He didn't burn any bridges. Instead, he doubled down and said, guys, let me point out the real issues because he says, I'm trying to save you. And that's the posture that we need with all the people that are in our life. So this morning, as I land the plane, we, we have a time to kind of individually focus our attention between God and us. Every Sunday morning is to open his word, let Listen to what he's got to say, and hopefully he hear, you hear his word through, through what we read and as we talk about it. But somewhere in that, your attention needs to be, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? So just as the plane, you know, they always give you when you fly, you know, in case of depressurization or whatever, and little oxygen masks come down, they, you know, put one on for yourself, then help the kid or the person next to you, right? So first thing, check your own heart. Do you need to overcome these obstacles in your own life, wherever you are in relationship to Christ? Put the oxygen mask on for yourself and your own relationship. Stir that up to be growing with God. And then secondly, maybe God had this passage to help you think through how you need to talk to somebody else, and that's you putting the oxygen mask on for them. And maybe you need to talk with them. Maybe it's simply helped you to know how to pray. Maybe you've been befuddled and don't know where they are. And maybe you can aim your prayers. Lord, help them to realize they don't love you. God, would you show them what they do love instead of them of you? God, would you help them to realize the dead end of that? Maybe it'll focus your prayers. Maybe it'll help you talk. I don't know. But regardless of which of those you feel like God's speaking in your heart, respond to him this morning. Let me pray for us and our team will come up and lead us in our final psalm. Father, thank you that the Lord Jesus gave us such insight into our souls. Lord, I must confess, it's easy at times to, to think uh, just that somehow these spiritual truths are complicated and they're hard. And, and Lord Jesus just laid us to bear that it's inside of us. It has nothing to do with the confusion of your word, the difficulty of understanding the Bible, it can be difficult to understand. But the real issue is beyond our understanding. It's our own will, our own love, being cold or non-existent in our heart. 
our own pride, our own uh, bias. So, Father, would you help us to walk humbly as your children? I pray, Father, for those this morning that are struggling, that are trying to understand, trying to take that, walk that faith journey to really put their faith in Jesus. Lord, I know that you're invisibly drawing them, and I know that ultimately everyone that trusts you really is because you've completely done the invisible work in their heart. But Lord, consciously, we, we're aware in that process, so would you use these few minutes to convict them, to help them to, to respond to what they've heard as their hearts have been laid bare, would you help us all to grow, Father, who know you, and to really stir up the fires of our own soul of where our walk is with you. So God, have your way with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.